Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, your safe space for all those filthy casual takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 113 of this icy yet spicy podcast that houses that icy and spicy lasagna in that very cold fridge. And well, after a month of talking about football, we're here to talk about some wrestling yet again because well... This past weekend just wrapped up the biggest party of the summer down in Nashville, Tennessee, in the Music City, down in Nashville, in the home of the Tennessee Titans, who we just finished talking about a couple weeks ago. So, we're here to talk about one thing and one thing only, and that is, of course, the 2022 edition of SummerSlam. And like I said, it's the biggest party of the summer, or you know, at least it should have it should have felt, you know, going into it. Because, well, to be honest with you, when you look at pro wrestling nowadays, it doesn't exactly have the hype, the glamour, you know, the appeal for all the mainstream fans, the casual fans, whatever you want to call us people, <laughs> all the people that really want to get into this, uh, this product. So there's no like big name stars aside from one particular person. Or a couple or a few. There's just not one, like more than one person to garner in a real audience, not a niche, uh, hardcore fan base. That the, that being said, pretty much that was the case going into this pay per view, going into SummerSlam, which is going to be held in a football stadium that apparently was only going to be half filled. And I'll get to my thoughts in in just a second. So. Here we are on episode 113, kicking off August, by the way. Happy August to each and every one of you out there. Um, we kicked off July with NFL Season Preview Month, and I appreciate all of you that supported um, the pod- the podcast. So hello to all the the old, the new, whichever one you are, the any kind of listener that you are to the show, and I appreciate the support that you've, you've given Very Cold Lasagna through the past month. And I hope you continue to do so going forward, whether you're interested in football, interested in wrestling, interested in whatever sport I decide to talk about here on this on this show. Have at it. I, you know, give my filthy casual takes and you you guys have at it in the comments or on social media, wherever that may be. Speaking of which, I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, YouTube as well as on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Very Cold Lasagna. So with that being said, let's get into this pay-per-view, SummerSlam. So there were about seven or eight matches on this card in a what was tip, was around a three-hour show. And, um, you know, looking at this card, I haven't watched WWE or any kind of profes- professional wrestling since uh, AEW Double Nothing um, and WrestleMania. So I only check in with with wrestling for like you know any small highlights or anything that's particularly interesting but when it comes to this pay-per-view i was not really that excited again i I didn't have very um high expectations like i normally would like i normally would in years past for a pay-per-view so i was just going in like okay i'll check out the pay-per-view and by the way i was like i was at work (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I was at work when this pay-per-view was happening um, at my crappy dead-end job, so I, I couldn't really have time to check it out. So I got home, 
checked out um, the replay of the pay-per-view on, you know, the other side of the web. <laughs> and, well, let's just say, you know, I was kind of surprised. Just like with WrestleMania, it left me a little surprised. And as we break down these matches, I'll tell you why. So, we're setting the stage. We're Again, we're in Nashville, Tennessee, home of the Tennessee Titans. Um, the Titans are in training camp, uh, mind you. And we kick things off with the Romans champion, uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. It's kind of like full circle. Remember, like for those of you that didn't watch SummerSlam last year or at all, um, Bianca Belair, she's the Raw Women's Champion. She's kind of like this rising star um, that ha- that's known for being the EST, the bestest, fastest, strongest, what have you, uh, woman, at least that's her gimmick in WWE. But to be honest with you, nobody really knows what the fu- what the hell that's supposed to mean. So... She's coming in the Roman the Roman's champion, so it's kind of like like last year. She was a SmackDown Women's Champion, and her opponent um, was Becky Lynch, who beat her in 16 seconds. Kind of like a squash victory, a surprise squash victory, um, for the most part. And here, while they don't really meant they didn't really mention a lot of that in in this particular feud, when I looked back on it, like, trying to, like, see, like, any promos for it, yeah, it was, like, all right, they didn't really mention it that much, so, going to this match, they kick, they kick it off with this match, and, I, I don't know, I was kind of bored, I was pretty bored with this match already, I was like, okay, they, they really are trying to, Set the tone. They're trying to set the tone for what should be another typical typical WWE pay-per-view. Typical pro wrestling pay-per-view, mind you. And this is not WWE. It's AEW2. A typical boring, typical boring pay-per-view that's going to just drag on all night. Um, So, so they, there were a couple like highlights here and there um, that somewhat kind of told the story, but not really. Um, there, were, there was a point where Becky Lynch hurt her shoulder. Um... I don't know how legit it was or if she was just selling, um, but it looked like she seriously hurt it. Um, and then towards the end of the match, Bianca countered the disarmor um, and hit a KOD on the outside. But I'm not sure why exactly she wanted to. I'm not sure exactly why exactly she needed to drag her into the ring. I mean, yes, she's a babyface champion, but he could have like gotten the count out victory because... When you try to revive uh, Becky Lynch, she barely beat the 10 count. So that was a mistake by Bianca. And then Becky honestly did like kind of like a nice move. She pulled Bianca's braid from when she was on the turnbuckle into a rock bottom or the manhandle slander or whatever. And the end of the match saw big time Bex or the man or the last kicker, whatever you want to call her, try to go for an avalanche rock bottom. But Bianca countered it into a Spanish fly and then... She hit one last KOD, uh, the Kiss of Death, or whatever she calls her finisher, um, to win the match and retain the Raw Women's Championship. So, Bianca gets some revenge, um, even though she technically got it at WrestleMania, but at SummerSlam, one almost one year later, after Becky surprised her, and, yeah, she she got her, her revenge on Becky Lynch. Uh, for the most part, I mean, this match was whatever, uh, for the, like... For the, for a large majority of it, I was like, <laughs> I was doing other stuff uh, while watching it. Uh, but the final moments were okay; they were pretty um, decent. 
um, with a lot of desperation moves from Becky, and then Bianca hit the fin- hit the Spanish fly in the KOD. So Becky Lynch, you know, she didn't pull any tricks this time. She sh- she actually shook hands with uh, Bianca Belair, gave the EST some respect. Um, but then this is where the story turns. Um, this is where Bianca's next chapter began because while Bianca was celebrating, Bailey, after what over a year, <laughs> over a year uh, she, that she's been out. Um, for those that uh, are in the dark, um, Bailey, San Jose native, by the way, and huge, and huge Niners fan for uh, the NF, for the NFL fans out there. Bailey um, was out for over a year because she tore her ACL. She was supposed to face Bianca Belair at Money in the Bank last year in Texas, but while training, she tore her ACL, and that's why she she's finally back on TV. So that's something. So Bianca Belair is stunned by Bailey, her other most hated rival. She's back on TV. She finally makes her long-awaited return. But then she didn't come alone. She just didn't come alone. Who who could have possibly joined her in this new crusade? Who like who who like why couldn't Bailey just walk alone? Well, I'm gonna tell you why. I'm going to tell you who it was. So Bailey comes out. Um, she's walking towards the ramp and then she stops. She's, she stops and tells the world who she brought along. <laughs> Dakota Kai comes out and joins Bailey at ringside. And here also comes out is Io Shirai. Who gives a shit? <laughs> who gives a shit about Dakota Kai and Io Shirai? <laughs> like, Seriously, I mean, Dakota Kai's kind of, you know, she's she's got she's kind of kind of cute. But to be honest with you, what's Dakota Kai's character? What's Io Shirai's character? I have not I have not been able to figure that those things out for the last four years that they've been in WWE. What is it? What the frick is it? And for the people like that were so confused in the crowd, I don't blame you. I do not blame each and every one of you. That doesn't know because not everybody watches NXT. No, not not many people watch it. So Bailey brings down these Splatoon girls. Um, I I guess it's to promote the new Splatoon 3 game coming out. And no, they're about to beat down Bianca Belair. But here comes Becky Lynch coming back to her side. And now... Bailey's like, oh no, I don't want to deal with uh you you two right now. So she backs off her new Splatoon girls. And <laughs> that that's pretty much the end of that uh, opening opening match and segment. So <laughs> oh my god. I was just like like when I saw when I saw Dakota Kai and Yoshirai, I, I just couldn't help but laugh. I just couldn't help but think of Splatoon. I mean, not so much Yoshirai. But Dakota Kai, because all this is all she literally does is does the idle Splatoon dance when you're when you're you're about to go into battle battle turf war rainmaker what have you. She, this this is literally all she does during her entrance. That's all. That's all literally reminds us the idle animation of the Inkling boy, the Inkling girl, what have you. That's literally all Dakota Kai is a real life Inkling. 
it's from Splatoon. That's all Dakota Kai is. <laughs> What's so great about Dakota Kai or Io Shirai? So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just have to catch my breath because it, it's just too funny. It's just too funny. So, WWE better do some kind of explanation. Do it better do a video package of who Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, who the heck they are on Monday on Raw or at some point. Because... Well, it's just going to be another case of who the heck are these guys or gals or and why should we care about them? Because I know, I know, I know how the hardcore fan base works. They're going to be like, oh, oh, it's not hard. It is not hard to Google or Wikipedia them. It, it, it's you wrestling doesn't need to spoon feed you. They don't need to oh, and make you make you teach you everything. Uh, yes, they do. That's the point. Wrestling is a TV show. Wrestling is sports entertainment. The and even the NFL, the NBA teaches you a couple of things about pro athletes and and rules. They show video packages. They show interviews of athletes pregame. Like for example, what happened to Josh Allen the week before? Why did he lose the game? Or what? Why led to him? Doing well in a game. This is just an example, by the way. But my main point is they have to show why people should mat uh, should care about Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. And I, well, I, I don't have high expectations, but let's see if Dakota Kai or Io Shirai, for that matter, let's see if their time off, it gave them some clarity of are they going to finally have a character? Are they going to finally have decent promo skills? If not, then why are they even on the main roster? Oh, wait, because Triple H is there. Because Triple H is now head of creative. So, overall, I was just like, the, the, match, the opening match was boring, but <laughs> the post-match stuff was kind of, was just laugh, making my laugh, ass laugh off. All right, so with all that stuff out of the way, Let's talk about Logan Paul versus The Miz. I was really impressed with Logan Paul in this match. Um, he did a lot of his moves cleanly. Um, he did a lot of basic wrestling moves good. Um, he even did the splits and a moon in a springboard moonsault off the ring apron. Um, he, the Miz almost didn't catch him, by the way, but fortunately he did. Um, the Miz controlled most of this match, but Logan Paul got a comeback uh, going in. Tommaso Ciampa tried to get involved in this matchup, but AJ Styles um, uh, came out from the crowd and and drew him away. So Logan Paul continues to impress me. He really continues to impress me. He hit him for phenomenal forearm on the Miz, and then in the big spot of the match, he went up to the top rope and then he hit this super clean frog splash through the announce table. Like oh my god, he put a lot of height. And a lot, and a lot of like, ho like horizontal, on that frog splash. Like, my God, that was incredible. <laughs> that was so good. So Maurice tried to distract Logan Paul um, long enough for the Miz to use his like Polaroid necklace thing, whatever. But Miz nearly struck Maurice uh, with it, and Logan Paul hit him with the skull crushing finale against the Miz to win the match and exact some revenge from WrestleMania. 
So this was a really good match. I enjoyed it. I, I gotta say, Logan Paul is an absolute grinder. Yes, we people can hate him for the YouTube stuff, for the stuff he's done, all the controversial stuff. But you look at Logan Paul's past two WrestleMania matches, uh, not WrestleMania matches, uh, WWE matches. He really puts in the work. He he proved he's proven he really wants to he really wants to do this. Um and he he can hit moves cleanly, he knows how to sell. And what made this victory more impressive for Logan Paul was that people were booing him. People were not liking him at the beginning. But by the end of the match, people were cheering him. People were like were popping for him. So you gotta give him credit for that. You really have to give Logan Paul a lot of credit. I will say though that he is better off as a natural heel. He could cut promos better, but uh, it. I, I will say that he is at least better than ninety nine percent of today's wrestlers. So kudos to Logan Paul, man. So the third match of the night, you had the United States Champion Bobby Lashley defending his title against Austin Theory. Um, Theory was gonna have himself a busy night. He had a goal of not tr not only trying to win back his United States title, but also trying to cash in his Money in the Bank contract that he did not uh, deserve to win during the main event between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. But of course, he had this U.S. title match first. Now, Aussie Theory uh, took control of a large por uh, a good portion of this short match um, by attacking Bobby Lashley before the bell even rang, but Bobby Lashley dominated the rest of the matchup. So Austin Theory tried to leave, but Lashley brought him back in. And he, then they traded offenses. But Lashley countered uh, Theory's finisher into the, the master hurt lock, and he made him tap out. So, I mean, the match was okay, I guess, but I guess Austin Theory was focused on more things um, and whatnot. So then we had the Mysterios go up against Judgment Day, uh, Finn Balor, and... And Damian Priest in a no disqualification match. I find it weird that when they do these no disqualification tag team matches, that you still have to tag people in. I remember, I still remember a couple of years ago that when they did the Extreme Rules tag team match with Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, and Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin, you still had to tag in. <laughs> you literally still had to tag in in an Extreme Rules match. Like these hardcore stipulations should have no tags required. It should be tornado style. Like, this makes no sense whatsoever here. So, this match came about because uh, Judgment Day um, were trying to recruit Dominic into the group. They were trying to get him to turn on his dad. And they were teased about it too, but that wasn't to be. Um, so, this honestly wasn't a match uh, that, you know, was any different. We've seen it before, like, a couple days ago on Raw, um, on Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary. So, nothing too crazy to talk about here, but the biggest thing to take away from is that when Finn Balor and Damian Priest were about to finish off Rey Mysterio and take the victory, the lights went out, and then out came Edge. Edge, the original leader of the Judgment Day, the creator of the Judgment Day, Judgment Day stable, he got ousted a month ago, and now he's back with his brood character, his, his creepy evil gimmick. So, Edge is back in his brood gimmick. He rushed the ring, attacked Damian Priest, speared Finn Balor, and exacted his revenge on 
on his creation that he's intending to destroy as Ray and Dominic finished off in Balor with the 619. So I'm glad Edge is back. Um, and I'm glad he's a babyface again. Um, the, the Judgment Day stuff when he was in it, I mean, it was okay, I guess. But it just didn't feel like, you know, the Edge of old. I mean, it was nice for him to experiment with, with it, but... I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling it. And you know, looking at Judgment Day now, man, yeah, it's it's just awful. It's really awful. So we had the next matchup of the night, and I, I was kind of excited for this. Pat McAfee versus Baron Corbin. Now, I am a mark for Pat McAfee. Um, his, his, his matches uh, so far have really impressed me. Um, he's really like like with Logan Paul, he has taken the transition from the NFL. I mean, it's of course Logan Paul has a different story, but he's taken the transition, but from whatever he, his previous career was, in his case the NFL, to WWE, very well. He's done it very very impressively. Same case here. I mean, uh, he did he did almost like slip and injured himself a couple of times on the big turnbuckle spots, um, but. He he managed he managed to pull, pull through. Even Baron Corbin did a good job of helping him out. Um, Pat McAfee tried to take an early advantage of Baron Corbin, but uh, Corbin regained control. Um, and then you had the usual um, Pat McAfee high spots, like you know the backflip off the turnbuckle, uh, the 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 jump up onto the turnbuckle into the superplex. Um, McAfee almost slipped, but Baron Corbin caught him, so, and and I think McAfee regained his footing. And then McAfee went for the Swanton Bamboonie or whatever Michael Cole calls it, the Swanton Bomb. Uh, but he almost lost his balance, and I got I got so I kind of got scared for him because I, like if he botched that thing, like that would have never looked bad, and he would have gotten hurt. So he he does the Swanton Bomb, and Pat McAfee wins the match, flipping out of end of days. Um, and then Corbin hit the referee, and then behind the referee's back. Um, Pat McAfee, um, as revenge from yesterday, uh, from the previous night's, uh, SmackDown where Baron Corbin dick kicked him. Pat McAfee returned the favor and dick kicked Baron Corbin behind the referee and hit a sunset flip on Corbin to win the match. So this was a pretty good match. I like, I like Pat McAfee, um, how, and how he did despite, you know, the nearly slipping off the turnbuckle and <laughs> nearly botching some spots, but for the most part, he did pretty well. He continues to impress me. Baron Corbin also did a good job controlling the pace and helping out McAfee when he nearly could have injured himself um, when not intended to. So overall, this is a pretty good match. So at some point during the show, Drew McIntyre also came out um, just pretty much to hype up the crowd for his uh, Clash of the Castle pay-per-view matchup against whoever won the, the main event of the night. So... There was that. Then you got the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship matchup between the Usos, Usos, against the Street Profits with a special twist. Oh, yes. The special guest referee, none other than Shalapnuts, Jeff Jarrett. And for hometown reasons, somebody better call the Shrek Daddy because we know how the Memphis mid-card piece of crap is towards OTRS. So, 
I will reserve that honor to him. And I gotta say, it, it was pretty cool to see the Street Profits rock uh, Tennessee Titans gear. Um, I didn't expect to see um, their own inspired logo, so that was I, I, I thought that was pretty dope uh, to see. But unfortunately, it was it was just kind of weird to see them lose again. Um, even though I like the Usos, but I, I would have thought the Street Profits would have won here. So the Usos won this match. Um, Montez Ford is kind of teasing a heel turn, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. I like. I think the Street Profits work well better together as a tag team than singles competitors. I mean, Montez Ford has the charisma, the energy, to, and the mic skills to feed off crowds. But it's just like, damn, I I would, I would feel bad for Angelo Dawkins, man. I would. So, stereo super kicks and the Bloodline One D on Angelo Dawkins finished off the Street Profits for good. But then throughout the match, Montez Ford, it looks like they're gonna, this breakup is going to get ugly between the Street Profits because, man, he showed a lot of frustration in that matchup. Montez Ford did. So, overall, it's just like, what do you have left for um, the Usos? Like, seriously, what do you have left for them? Um, there's, like, literally no tag teams left. I mean, you have the Viking Raiders, um, but they are heels. So do you have a heel versus heel matchup? Or, like, do you, do you really want to do the New Day again? And Big E's not even there? There's little, there's really no, Alpha, Alpha Academy, but they're not really at a point where they should you should turn them babyface. It's like, what route do you really have to go with the Usos? So then you get a segment with Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. Um, this match was originally supposed to happen in the in the pay-per-view, but they, for whatever reason, decided to hold it off. And in storyline, in, in storyline, a couple of days prior on Monday Night Raw, they wrote out Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. They, they, they canceled the match because they had Seth Rollins attack. A riddle after the main event and curb stomped him on the steel steps and they ruled Matt Riddle medically unable to compete with a spinal neck injury. But that didn't stop Matt Riddle from coming out of the crowd and calling out Seth to to fight. And Seth Rollins came out, they fought for a couple minutes, and Seth Rollins still curb stomped them anyway. So yeah, I presume they're they're having the match uh the UK pay-per-view Clash of the Castle. Um, but, I mean, I won't really tr- care about it too much. But, hey, I what I will admit is that at least Matt Riddle is not like, oh, Randy, can you, can you, can you look at my boner, Randy? So, at least Matt Riddle was not high on the you-know-what, and he was finally showing a more serious side to him. So then we got a short SmackDown Women's Championship match between Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Um, this match, this matchup was not really built up well, but um, for reasons, you know, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, not for the you know wrestling aspect, but you know, the other aspect. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm I'm at that point where it's just like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Liv Morgan. Like did get some like offense in, but for the most part in the short match, Ronda Ronda Rousey was dominating, and I don't know. I just didn't like the fact that they made Liv Morgan a really weak champion. They at, at the end of it, they made Liv Morgan look significantly weak. 
And the ending of the match looked like it. It really, it really made it look like that. It made it look like a plucky, lucky champion. So the ending of the match saw Liv Morgan like going through two arm breakers, escaping through two arm breakers barely, but then her arm was like broken already uh, in storyline. So the third time that Ronda Rousey locked in the arm bar on Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan looked like she was ready to tap out. She was ready to quit. But then Liv Morgan, in one last gasp, she pushed her feet up. She used her body weight, pinned Ronda's shoulders down on the ground, and then the referee started counting one, two, and then as right before the referee hit the three count on the on the mat, Liv Morgan clears day on the cam like in front of the cameraman, taps out. She taps out like <laughs> at the like well a half second before the three count happens so rightfully so Rhonda's pissed at the referee she attacks Liv Morgan and and the official so they both get locked in the arm bar and Rhonda's turning Rhonda's turning heel pretty much but man like I said Liv Morgan looks significantly weak now <laughs> it looks like she's going to be yet another transitional champion she's probably going to lose the title to Rhonda or maybe like Charlotte whenever she gets back. But man, I just don't like how they made Liv Morgan to be a very weak a weak champion coming out of this. I mean, yes, Ronda Rousey was significantly superior to her, but you know, she could have gotten some more offense in. But damn it. This <laughs> is like Alexa Bliss versus Ronda at like a couple of years ago at SummerSlam. So also they, they should really consider adding instant replay, replay review. <laughs> like, like try implementing that in a wrestling storyline or like wrestling booking 101. Like consider replay review, right? Like writing re replay review in your storylines, you know, like how they do it in actual sports. Like, oh, wait, like, like, wait, this happened. Like, we got to go back. We got to go back to the tape, ref. You, you fucked this up. Like, like throw out the challenge flag, draw out the challenge flag, or we're under two minutes. We gotta do, we gotta do uh, a second, a second opinion, and then after review, you know, we we either call we call it as it is, or we change we change the result. Like, you know, at some point you gotta try it out because this was a clear indication of you should have tried it out, <laughs> you should have tried it out, because like Ronda Rousey only looks good here, but man, I like Liv Morgan, but damn it. She looked weak here. She really did look weak here. So Liv Morgan retains the SmackDown Women's Championship, a bit controversial. So then we get to the main event of the night, the main event that everyone was anticipating for. Well, depending on how you looked at it, and that was the universal champion, uh, the universal champion, the undisputed WWE universal champion, Roman Reigns, Going up against Brock Lesnar, built to be one last time in a last man standing match. But who knows it'll be that one last time for between these two. So, I don't know. Like, going in, like, when this was first announced, I kind of groaned. Like, I really did. <laughs> because I like Roman Reigns. I like Brock Lesnar. But we've, we've sat through this, like, what? <laughs> like, 
five or six times since WrestleMania 31. And I got to be honest with you. I've only like I've only liked the WrestleMania 31 match like when I was there live in person because it, for the most part that was the only match that told a story. That match was the, like the personification like the like the beginning of Roman Reigns in Roman Reigns and his ascent to the very top. That was like his solidification or or whatnot. Like you know, Brock Lesnar, like, popularizing super Suplex City to the world. And then Roman Reigns having this rally in, in Levi Stadium, only to have that cut short by Seth Rollins in the heist of the century. So it's just like, here, it's just like, what do you do here? I mean, of course, yes, I was, it was nice to see him win at WrestleMania 38. But it's just like, can we just finally end this? <laughs> like, I know... Roman and Brock are the only two legitimate guys in WWE, but it's just like, goddamn. I was just waiting for this rivalry to end. So, fortunately, fortunately, though, this match was awesome. This match was actually so damn good. Like, like I could see why they keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, but, like, they should do it like this, though. They should do it like how they did on Saturday night. Like, absolute chaos absolute like an absolute brawl and i gotta admit i love cowboy brock like cowboy brock, brock lesnar is the best brock lesnar he took this thing to a whole nother level he brought in a freaking tractor for not just his his special entrance like you rarely you've never seen brock lesnar do a special entrance wrestlemania SummerSlam. Never, and he do, he does his usual entrance like ah, oh. and then he he goes back, gets a damn tractor, and he's not he's just like oh I'm not, I'm just gonna show it off, but no he actually bring he just drives it to the damn ring, and he starts he even uses it during the damn match, and we'll get to that in a second. So Lesnar pretty much killed Roman Reigns for most of this match. He took him to Suplex City. He he used a, a piece of the table that Roman Reigns put him through. He F5'd him a couple times. And he even used this tractor to drop him into the ring. But Roman Reigns somehow managed to survive the beast that was Brock Lesnar. So Roman Reigns did get a little bit of offense in. But for the most part, Lesnar was dominating like good half of the match. So Brock Lesnar... <laughs> This is where things got wild. This is where things got really crazy. It's something I've never seen before. I've seen Lesnar and Big Show break the ring. I've seen John Cena go through a spotlight. I've seen Edge go through go to hell, literally in hell in a cell by The Undertaker. But never before have I seen a tractor driven by Brock Lesnar lift up the freaking ring. <laughs> With the tractor and dump, literally dump Roman Reigns out of it. He literally lifted the ring. You you can't replicate that. You lift you lifted up the ring and <laughs> dumped him out of it. it. That's fucking insane. That was so cool. Like I I was I was laughing my ass off. That was so that was like amazing. That was that was so that was so awesome. That's going to be a moment 
that gets replayed for years to come. It's going to be a meme. I guarantee it's going to be a meme. So the Usos come out. They get involved, um, but they get suplexed by Lesnar. Paul Heyman tries to save uh, Lesnar one, uh, not Lesnar, uh, Roman Reigns uh, one last time. And Paul Heyman mentioned something about a meal ticket. He Like he's Roman Reigns' meal ticket or something. And he tries to plead with Brock. He even gives him the, the title. But Lesnar puts him through a table. <laughs> uh, Lesnar puts him through a table. Um, Roman Reigns takes him out with the uh, spear. And then, as we feared, Austin Theory comes out, tries to cash in. And someone made a good point um, on their video. Like, how is, how is Austin Theory going to cash in? Uh, like, who's, how is he going to pin them? Uh, like, in, on a last man standing match. And my thought process was, it's like, well, you got to knock them both out. <laughs> Turn this match into a triple threat, last man standing match, something we never seen before, and knock them the both f- the fuck out. So, Austin Theory never got a chance to cash in. Lesnar immediately stops him from doing it, uh, hits an F five, knocks him out, but then was instantly super kicked by the Usos. Um, and this is where things start to slowly culminate to its end. Roman Reigns hits another uh, spear on. On Brock Lesnar, he he gets up again, he he snap he literally snaps and takes Austin Theory's Money in the Bank briefcase and uses it on Lesnar. He still gets up. He hits him with his World Titles, still gets up. So he hits him with the World Titles again, but this time he buries him underneath a lot of debris, and he traps him there, and he puts Lesnar down for the count. We're good, and. It was kind of like a symbolization of Roman Reigns wins the rivalry for good. At least until WWE decides to like, nope, fuck it. We're going to have a fight again. But man, that was a crazy match. That was a really awesome match. <laughs> and for as much as I groaned about it, I got to admit, that was a wild ride. That was a really wild ride. And let's hope that this match is the last one because... How can you really top it? How can you really top it? Now, sure, like they should have done hell. They could have done hell in a cell. But to be fair, they should have this. This match should have been hell cell. Maybe hell in a cell, last man standing. I don't know. But this match was fun. This was really fun. Brock Lesnar brought out the very best. I mean, he had his usual suplex city stuff, but he took Cowboy Brock to another level. Brought out the damn tractor. Lifted the ring, literally. He brought it to new heights, literally. And then Roman Reigns, you know, a conniving heel, proved that, you know, heels do whatever it takes to win. I mean, that's what heels are all about. Yes, like he's, Roman Reigns has proven that he's won clean on several on on several occasions. But at the end of the day, you have to remember, heels cheat to win. They do whatever it takes to win. And that's exactly what Roman Reigns did. He's just using, using all his resources in a notice qualification match, mind you, to win. And he put his long-hated rival down for good. So, this was an all-out brawl. It served its purpose. It was a good capper to a rivalry that should have been over for a long while. And man, this was a good match to, to go out to. Now the question is, what happens going forward? I think, especially for Brock Lesnar, that's a big question. Because 
we don't like now that pretty much the rivalry is potentially over. I mean, we know Roman Reigns is going to face Drew McIntyre at the next pay-per-view in the United Kingdom in Drew's homeland. So Roman, Roman Reigns has the high potential to lose one or if not both of his titles, even though McIntyre has kind of like dipped in terms of his momentum. So who knows? Who knows what happens there? Meanwhile, for Lesnar, it's just like, what do you, how do you, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do with Brock Lesnar? I mean, he might, he, I mean, he might like not, not be around for the rest of the year. Maybe he might come back with a Royal Rumble in 2023. Might be back for WrestleMania in Los Angeles. But like, what do you put, what kind of program do you put him in? What major non-title match do you put him in? Like who, who could he possibly face that could, that can, that could make Brock Lesnar look good or he could put over like, what other ma- good major match you, could you put Brock Lesnar in? And I hope when he comes back, he keeps Cowboy Brock because he's good. He's really good at it. It showcases more personality than what 2015, 2019 did. So hopefully, you know, they do something well with Brock Lesnar and same thing with Roman Reigns. But overall, this match was really good. So overall, I thought SummerSlam was. I'll, I'll be generous. I'll, I think it was a, a good show. I, th- I thought it was a, a good show. Really loved... I think the last man standing match really <laughs> saved it from, you know, being a meh show. I did like Logan Paul. I did like Pat McAfee's matches. Um, but, for, but for the most part, I was just like, eh. <laughs> I was pretty iffy on the other half of the match, on the other stuff that happened. But I did laugh. I, I did have a good laugh about... Um, Bailey Splatoon Girls. I did have a good laugh about that. And I hope you guys did too. <laughs> so what did you guys think about SummerSlam? What are your hardcore, casual, middle-of-the-road wrestling fan? Or if you're not if you're not a wrestling fan, if you if you happen to watch SummerSlam or you're looking to watch it, let me know your thoughts about this pay-per-view. So that was my review of SummerSlam 2022. And I don't know. Will this get me... Um, to watch wrestling on a more regular basis? Probably not. Um, but now that Vince McMahon is retired, um, unfortunately, um, because of reasons, and Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, Triple H are in charge, basically. Well, you know, I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. I will say SummerSlam was a good show. Now let's see if they can build on that momentum. So we'll see what happens from there. But that's it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in to this fine, fine episode, episode number 113 of this icy yet spicy podcast. Make sure you tune in to wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be at YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. And follow the show on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. And until next time, peace out.